0: What's up everybody and welcome to B2B Made Simple. If you're passionate about marketing, you're in the right place. Whether you're doing marketing for a brand new startup or a hundred million dollar enterprise, you'll learn strategies that'll help you build a solid team, impact your pipeline, and look like an absolute rock star to upper management. Why? Because these guys are the pros. They're not pretending to know the industry, they're in the trenches on a daily basis. My name is Sam Moss. I'm the co-founder of OneClick Agency. We build websites for B2B companies, and I'm also the co-host of this podcast. If your goal is to become the marketer everyone else looks up to, keep listening. Hello everybody, welcome back to B2B Made Simple. Joining me today on the show is Jess Chu, the VP of Marketing at Trella Health. Jess, it's great to have you here. Yeah,
1: excited to be here, Sam.
0: Awesome. Uh, To kick things off, I always like to ask a pretty personal question. Um, And that personal question, I hope you get it right, because you're from Atlanta, Mm -hmm. is, are you a Coke or a Pepsi person?
1: Yeah, it's really not a question, because I'm from Atlanta, so we don't even have (laughs) them down here. Definitely a Coke person through and through.
0: That's funny. So have you been in Atlanta for the majority of your life, or are you new to the area?
1: Yep. Nope. Born here, lived... After college, a couple years in New Jersey, and then came right back. So big so, Atlanta. Okay.
0: So you got it. You got it right then by saying Coke. So that makes sense. I didn't even really have to ask that question, but I figured I would. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a given. I've been to the World of Coke Museum many times.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Um, so tell us about you and what kind of got you into the world of marketing, especially at Trella. Maybe explain maybe the, the size of your team and, and what your love for marketing, where it started. Give us a couple minutes of that.
1: Yeah, so I always wanted to be a journalist. Um, I really love digging into things, sort of uncovering things, writing, sharing people's stories. Um, I started working in a newspaper out of college, following that path, but I had the opportunity to work on the business side. And so I was actually marketing the newspaper, which was especially challenging because As you know, a lot of people are canceling their print subscriptions and and things like that. So it was really challenging, but it was really rewarding at the same time, especially because I believed so much in the product. Um, So I fell in love with marketing, realized that's what I want to be doing instead of being an actual journalist. Um, Came back to Atlanta, worked um, in apparel marketing, um, which was interesting, but it wasn't fulfilling that... uh, that same thing that newspaper marketing was fulfilling for me of like trying to help people obtain something that they really care about or that's really important. Um, And so then I had an opportunity to go work at an agency supporting B2B healthcare companies. Um, And that's where I sort of fell in love with healthcare marketing because there's so much technology that's coming out to help healthcare providers do what they do, which is so important, care for people um, and help people have healthy lives. There's so much technology coming out to support them. And so being on the marketing side, helping bring those solutions to people who could really use them um, was really, really fun. So then went on to work um, at another company, Greenway Health, um, on the client side, loved that. And then had the opportunity to join Trella Health early 2019. Um, That was an opportunity to sort of take on the leadership role, be the head of the the marketing team, which was um, a big goal of mine. We rebranded the company shortly after I got here um, and have been building up a marketing team. So now I have a team of 12 amazing marketers. Wow.
0: Wow, That's awesome.
1: Um, Yeah. There's six BDRs and a manager of that team and then five core marketers, which also includes our revenue operations person, who is a shared resource across the go-to-market team. And then, of course, myself.
0: Very cool. That's awesome. And how long have you been at Trella now?
1: Um, It's a little over two years. I guess two Very and a half, cool.
0: we'll round up. Before we kick off the, the topic that we are going to discuss, I'm curious, you said when you were doing newspaper marketing, you kind of got a feel for business operations as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. How helpful was that? Because I've actually heard from marketers that are in the marketing realm that their advice is, hey, if you can learn finance, leadership, real business skills, it will only propel you as a marketer. Do you find that to be true?
1: Totally. Um, it was a really interesting program. It was actually like a two-year program, and I had to rotate from different parts of the business. So I worked, actually, delivered newspapers. <laughs> worked as a stint in home delivery. Um, worked with the single copy sections. Worked with answering customer service calls. There was mm-hmm. uh, and worked with, you know, finance, budgeting, things like that. So I got a really good holistic view before I even started working on the marketing to the actual subscribers. And that was invaluable. And I think it's something that I think about a lot because, and I know that it's, everybody talks about it now, you got to stay in touch with the customers. You have to talk to customers. Um, It's really easy to forget. And I think you also have to really understand the life cycle of the product that you're trying to market. And like, I mean, I haven't answered support calls here, but answering those customer service calls when I was at the newspaper really helped me understand what I needed to be Writing in the messaging when we were doing subscriber marketing. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's invaluable. Just understanding how something operates, how it runs, um, is only going to help you in any aspect of your career, particularly in marketing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've heard the same thing and would definitely agree for sure. Um, cool. So I want to kick this off by obviously the topic today is that marketing ops, marketing ops teams. Are pretty undervalued in a lot of companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't like that, for sure, and I, I don't like either. Um, <laughs> so tell us, why do you think that is? Why is are they put on a back burner and not really valued in organizations?
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I don't know why it's so widespread. My hunches are it's a newer discipline, mm-hmm. Um You know, I feel like I was using one of the first marketing automation softwares when I was actually at the newspaper. So it hasn't been around that long, these different um, types of tools and technologies that we use. And I think that often B2B sellers do such a great job of painting the picture that the software is going to come in and solve all the problems Hmm. that people don't realize that you actually need to make sure that you have the right people and processes to make these solutions as powerful as they should be. And so I've seen time and again in my career where people invested in software, but they didn't invest in the people to run the software and they didn't invest in the processes to make those technologies work efficiently and effectively. And so, I mean, I came in at least, there's been at least two instances where I came into a company and had to completely redo the tech stack because it it just wasn't working. And I just think of all the money that was wasted, but it Mm -hmm. was, you know, they just weren't focused on getting it right.
0: Yeah. And when you say you redid the, the tech stack, was that shaving away just unnecessary MarTech or were you kind of shifting a different direction saying, Hey, this tool doesn't work, but this one does.
1: Yeah. It was mostly on the marketing automation side. One company I came in and um, they had Marketo, but they had mm-hmm. just, and they'd been three different companies that had merged together. Um, they, went through a really long complicated process to make that work, but they just, they didn't have, they did a lot of work initially, but then they didn't have people running the system that knew why certain things were done a certain way or why certain processes were away. I mean, it just, and so by the end, they didn't trust that the emails were getting out to who they needed to get out to. They didn't trust any of the reports. Um, And as a result, I mean, sales really had a lack of confidence in the marketing team because they couldn't, really trust what marketing was bringing to the table. And then, you know, when I came here, we had purchased um, Pardot because we'd gotten Salesforce and, you know, Pardot was such a great price. And I personally don't have a problem with Pardot as a solution, but the way that it had been set up was not at all helpful. So I was going to have to either completely reset it up or tear it out and start over. Um, And so I I chose to tear it out and start over because at that point it was like, There's nothing here to save (laughs) and it'll just take more time to get it um, to get it running back. And then there was also just, you know, technologies that weren't connected. I mean, the the tech stack really sings when you have things that can layer on top of each other and complement. And time and again, I found like, well, there's this thing over here that does this very specific thing. And then there's this thing over here that does this very specific thing. And none of them were were working together.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of like this topic that we're, we're starting out on. Um, so what would you actually say to someone that's that's coming into a new organization? Maybe they're a VP or a director of marketing. There's a tech stack there. What are some essentials that they should be looking for in the SaaS world, um, particularly? And what did you have to watch out for and kind of analyze on your end when you joined Trella?
1: Yeah. And do you mean like the specific softwares they should have or just some of the things? Yeah. Or e-
0: yeah, or even genre, I guess, um, of what you should be focusing on and not getting too distracted.
1: Yeah. Because I think that was another thing. I mean, Greenway was a much larger organization that I was at previously. So our tech stack was very large.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but it also was dictated a lot by the ownership that we had. Yeah. Here, we're a much smaller, nimbler company. So we have a very different type set of needs. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it comes down to, two: what kind of team you have, what kind of company you are, what growth stage you're in. And that really dictates a lot of what you should have.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and I also think there's, there's a lot to be said with starting small mm-hmm. and then building as you start to learn what's working, what's not and what you need. Um, I mean, I think everybody needs the marketing automation software. I think mm-hmm. that's <laughs> pretty much known. Um, and I think making sure that it's connected fully with your CRM. And has a really strong sync, and that that's working correctly. Um, one of the things that I usually ask when I'm joining an organization is, you know, show me some of your regular reports that you put out. What are the metrics that you're that you're looking at? Um, how regular do you report? Regularly do you report on this? And what are the definitions of these things? And you would be surprised how many times you ask somebody what the definition of something is that they've been reporting on for years that they don't know what it really means. I had one um, one person tell me, well, it's just whatever comes out of this one report. And I'm like, well, how did you define it in the report? Um, and so that was really where I started over with trying to figure out well, how am I going to optimize this, this Marketo instance was what are the things that we need to be tracking? How do we define those things? And then let's back up and rebuild the system so that it maps to that. And yeah. then also getting a deep understanding of how your CRM is working. Um, and then I think, you know, websites are one of the most important things that marketers have, and making sure that the back end of the website is set up really well, it's easy to use, that it's um, not a target for attacks. So I've had mm-hmm. several instances where that has happened, and you're like, but I'm too small to be targeted. But I think the reality is that some of these um, people test on small websites to check for vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so making sure that you have the right website um, tech to go along with that is really important in
0: my Good call. Opinion. Yeah. Um, so sure obviously a lot
1: of opinions on that, <laughs>
0: <know>. <laughs> for sure. A, a sound website's a great place to start. Don't get me even going on that, but um, <laughs> awesome. So obviously some of these companies, they're, they're valuing the software. They're, they drop 200k on a new software, and then they don't value the marketing ops team when the issue they think is going to be solved by the software. So, mm-hmm. why should we make sure we under we aren't undervalued? Under wow, I can't even talk today. I Maybe mean, I had something cold. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. Yeah. But why should we make sure we aren't underfunding our marketing teams um, and marketing ops?
1: Yeah, I mean, I. I feel like it's it's like a house, it's a, a strong foundation. It really doesn't matter how you decorate the house, in my opinion, if your foundation is not solid um, and you're at risk. So for me, your marketing operations is what everything sits on top of. And it's also how you get things out the door, which is a marketer is one of the most important things we can do is publish things, get things out into the market. And that is only possible through strong marketing operations. Um, And then to me, if you aren't investing in your marketing ops infrastructure, then you typically don't know what's working and what's not working. And without that, I really don't understand how most marketers are trying to figure out where to go next. You're sort of, you know, operating blind. And I know that there's been a lot of buzz lately about, you know, you can't measure everything. And I'm not saying that because I fully agree. You cannot measure everything. There's a lot of things that can't be attributed, but you have to measure the things that you can so that you have a baseline to start from.
0: So when it comes to underfunding, right? How do we know? I know that you mentioned you, you don't need to measure everything, but are there some other things that come to mind that are alarms or some red flags that you can say, look, this is pretty obvious that you are under underfunding your marketing ops.
1: Yeah. So first I would say, look at who's running your marketing operations and Mm -hmm are they the lowest paid person on your team? That's usually a red flag. (laughs) Um, Or do you not have someone who's running your marketing operations? Have you completely outsourced that? Um, And I'm not saying that you can't outsource a lot of it, but you need to have some internal knowledge of what's going on and an internal advocate for the systems. So even if you don't have a marketing ops person, who is the point person for these technologies? Um, Have they had proper training? Do you give them the resources that they need? So I think one is, is really making sure that you have the right people in place to make your solutions work properly and that you're investing in them and not setting them up for failure. I think that's the the first thing. Um, And then two, if you're getting reports or you're looking at metrics and you can't trust them, or you don't feel confident when you're sharing them with other people, then you probably have something going on. And if you're not able to, um, to consistently execute, to consistently send out emails or, or put out things, um, then you're probably under investing.
0: You mentioned before that you kind of feel this out in the interview process when you're joining a new company. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to name companies, but has there been a time when you were on an underfunded team and you well, noticed it? What did you do well, in that in that instance?
1: Yeah, I mean it was really eye opening, and in fact, in it. It's why I mentioned the salary piece, because in one of my first, you know, budget meetings when we were looking at at staffing, I realized everyone on my team is significantly underpaid. This is when I was running a marketing ops team specifically. Um, And they also didn't have a background in what they were doing. And none of them had been through any formal training on the products that they were using. It was just sort of like, oh, were do this, here's a step-by-step guide, but they didn't understand the fundamentals of what they were trying to do and why they were doing it. And so that was um, that was eye-opening. So the first thing that I did was make sure that they all had proper training because it's not that you have to have years and years and years of experience in what you're doing, but you need to make sure that you understand the why behind what you're doing. And so instead of giving someone simply a process doc, investing in them, sending them to, you know, proper training, having them work with experts so that they can then come back and reassess what they've been doing and do it from the right perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's typically the first thing that I've done. And two is, you know, making sure that we have what we need. And before every board meeting, I always look at my, you know, look at my budget, look at my tech stack and say, is there something that I need to be um, adding to the list to be more effective, to grow faster, to be more efficient? Um, and I make sure that I mention that whenever I have the opportunity.
0: Yeah, there you go. Um, so if someone were to ask you, what does it look like to invest in your marketing team's infrastructure? Mm -hmm. What would you say? Would it be what you just touched on? Or is there more to that?
1: No, I think it's a lot of what I just said. And I would, I would just reinforce that you have to have the right people and processes and technology. To have the right infrastructure. And I really believe that it's in that order. It's people, it's process, and then it's the technology that makes that mm-hmm. really efficient. Um, you have to be executing consistently. You have to have a strong cadence of reports and metrics that you look at on a regular basis that you can trust. Um, and, you know, you need to feel confident when you're having conversations internally about what's working in marketing and what's not. And again, some of that will be, you know, gut feel, I can't measure this, but You have to be able to measure what you
0: can. Mm -hmm. And you're not saying, hey, you need to scrap the technology side because obviously it's needed, but you need to know the proper pecking order, right?
1: Exactly. People, Mm. process, technology.
0: (laughs) I like that. I like that. Um, Cool. Well, let's move on to the second part of our interview here. Um, We've been trying something new where I hand the mic to you. And you become the podcast host. So I'm not sure if you've ever been a podcast host before.
1: I've never done it before. This is exciting.
0: <laughs> but here we go. Here's your chance. So if you have any questions on your end that you would like to ask me, um, now's your chance.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that's, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, is like something I feel like we're not doing on the right cadence. But um, I'm curious to hear from you. How often should marketers be updating their websites, both copy? and design because I've heard you got to keep it fresh but I've also heard Google doesn't like it when you update too frequently so what's what's the right timing
0: so I'm not an SEO expert by any means so Mm -hmm. I wouldn't know like hey what's the sweet spot where Google won't penalize you for updating something on your website because Mm -hmm. I've heard both like oh you should be updating and oh you shouldn't so when it comes to that sweet spot I'm not 100% sure but I will tell you As your ICP is changing, as your customer personas are changing, as your TAM is expanding, all of those reasons and all of those instances are when you should be updating, especially the messaging on your website. Because that is where people are coming to close the deal to say, is this company really who I want to do business with? I've been following them on social. I've been engaging with them on social. I've been seeing their ads, whatever it may be coming across their content. All of those things are eventually going to point to the website. So if they get there and they're like, oh, I don't see how this is actually for me because you haven't updated your ICP on your website, even though you have internally, or your persona isn't speaking to them, then you're going to be in trouble because they're coming to finalize the deal. It's to push them over the edge. Um, So that's what I tell people is one of those uh, things, if you have recently done it, that's a great time to update it, it, even if it's just the messaging on your website.
1: Yeah. I think that's a really good lens to look at it through is, does does the copy on your website reflect who you want to be today in front of the sales cycles that you're you know, in front of the prospects you're talking to today. I think that's a really good lens. Mm-hmm.
0: Because
1: obviously Google's important, but you know, it's more important that the people you're trying to win business from understand yeah. who you are accurately.
0: And the thing is some companies, it, it depends on your go-to-market strategy. Some enterprise models aren't really focusing so much on SEO. So if you are doing outbound sales or whatever it may be, um, maybe you're 100% focused on brand and whatever happens on SEO, great. Then you can kind of punt that anyway and say, hey, this is people are going to come to the website. If we change it a lot, does Google bring us down in the search rankings? Well, not many people are searching for this. So we have a different strategy anyway. So that's all something you have to decide internally, but it's something to think about as well.
1: Yeah, no, that's really helpful. Okay, we've been talking a lot about tech stacks. So I'm really curious to get your perspective on websites. What are your favorite plugins or your favorite technology when it comes to websites? Um, especially when you're thinking about delivering an amazing user experience, but you're also on a budget.
0: Um, so for I have a couple here. For user experience, speed is huge to me. And I think it's huge to a lot of people. Um, so if your website is very image heavy, one thing that we like to do is use a plugin called Smush and it optimizes all your pictures and condenses them. makes It doesn't make them look smaller, but mm-hmm. the file size is smaller. And I have seen speeds of websites go skyrocket just because they did that. All the files on the website got scrunched down. Um, that's my favorite thing to put on the website. There's lots of different variations of it, but the one we use is called Smush and you can do a lot with the free version. Um, the second thing, so that's user experience. The second thing does tie into UX as well. Um, it's called hot jar and it's just a heat map of your website. And it's also the recordings of people on the site. I love it just because you can go in and see, Oh, why are they trying to click here? That's not even a button. Obviously that ties into user experience or they're scrolling here. And then it looks like they seem, they trail off or they get lost. That needs to be addressed. Um, so when it comes to user experience, those are the two that I, uh, I recommend and that we use all the time.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And we recently did something with Hotjar and we were like, oh my gosh, nobody knows where the login button is. Like
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go.
1: And I'm like, uh, it seems so obvious where it was, but
0: yeah, it's crazy. What seems obvious to us isn't necessarily true for other people. It's the same thing with a simple call to action. Get get a demo. You might have it up in the, the right hand corner and nowhere else but Mm -hmm. they might be scrolling, looking for it and not think to scroll back to the top and look in the menu. And it's just things like that, that you can see um, by looking at people who are live on the website or their recordings and get that feedback um, and that data. I think it's invaluable.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then I have one more question while I'm still host, Sam. Mm
0: -hmm. I have to know, (laughs) are you
1: a Coke or Pepsi person?
0: Oh, great question. Um, I really don't drink too much soda, but when I do... It's it's definitely Coke. Um, okay. I'm a big fan of Dr. Pepper. I enjoy Coke. When it comes to Pepsi, I do enjoy a root beer. I think it's because it's no caffeine. So that's my my stipulation. But definitely, definitely lean uh team coke for sure.
1: <laughs> okay, perfect.
0: Am I okay now? Can we continue the call? Since we can I said continue coke. now. I should
1: yeah. have asked
0: earlier. <laughs> yeah, you that would have qualified me right there. You may have just hung up if I said Pepsi. So good thing Pretty you didn't fun. ask on that. <laughs> Awesome. Well, we're wrapping up. So why don't you um, tell us what you guys do at Trella Health? We've obviously talked about you and heard about them, but give me 30 seconds of what it is that you guys offer.
1: Yeah. So we're an analytics company um, in healthcare. We primarily serve post-acute organizations. So home health, hospice, skilled nursing facilities, Um, also work with health systems and accountable care organizations um, and really help them understand what's happening in their markets primarily with the 65 plus uh, population um, so that they understand referral patterns, um, top performing physicians, so that they know who they need to work with. Because as value-based care becomes more and more important, it becomes more important who you work with and who you send your patients to. Mm -hmm. So we're all about bringing visibility into healthcare, helping different providers know what's happening in the marketplace and how they're performing so that they can continue to provide superior healthcare to their patients.
0: I love it. Well, that's awesome. Jess, thank you so much for joining me here on B2B Made Simple. Um, Go crack a nice ice cold Coke for me (laughs) and we'll wrap this up. I appreciate it.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, Jim.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Thank you.